0: everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Someone asked me the other day, they said, Ed, you know, you've written a lot of books. How many books have you written? I said, I don't know, 14 or 15. And then they asked the proverbial, how long does it take for you to write a book? That's a great question. And how do you write a book? So I answered that, but as I answered the question for Fifty Shades of Day, how long it took me to write this book, here was my answer. 53 years. That's how old I am. It took me 53 years to write this book. I'm very proud of this book, and I believe this book is a life changer. Why can I say that? Because basically... It's from scripture, it's comments, situations, stories that move from scripture about relationships because the they in your life and mine have serious sway. The they, who are they? They've been coming to me, they said, they feel. People always are talking about the they. Who are the they in your life? It's the most important and influential group in our lives next to our family. And for many people, we're closer to the they in our lives than we are our family. Who are the they? Because they have a lot to say about your life. Are you hanging out with the wrong day or the right day? I want to go through some of the principles that I've opened up and talked about here in this book. And I'm just going to you going to go through these and, and sort of fly over these very, very quickly. And while I fly over these, while we cruise through these, I want you to think about the they in your existence, because a lot of us here need to invite the right they in and invite some of the wrong they out. It's a constant thing. It's not just something we do one time. It's not just something we do several times. We must do this regularly. It's, it's like a commercial fisherman. A commercial fisherman drops the nets, brings in all this fish. The fisherman, though, culls. In other words, they they take out the stuff that they don't want to keep, like a stingray, or maybe a crab, or or maybe a busted bottle, or something like that. They're always culling their catch to get the best. In friendships, we have to do this. So I want to ask you, if you're a student, I want to ask you if you're 4, 24, 54, or 84, Who are the they in your life? T, the right they are tough. They're tough. When I use the word tough, I'm not talking about someone who's mean-spirited. I'm talking about someone who is committed. Because when you look at the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ, when you look at the essence of what true friendship is about or true relational harmony is about, it's about commitment. We live in a culture where feelings rule. It's all about feelings. Go with your heart. I was reading a book a couple of nights ago. Go with your heart, the author said. And I'm like, go with your heart? That's got to be the most jacked up statement ever. Yet, it sounds so sexy because it sounds cool. Like, okay, go go with my feelings. Go with my heart. No, no, you don't go with your heart. You go with commitment. Because so often, our heart, our feelings, will lie to us. Commitment, though, means to pledge yourself to a stance no matter what the circumstance. And the right day. it's pledged to your life. If you're dating somebody, if you obviously marry somebody, your best friends, they must be committed to you. They must be tenacious. They must be tough. They They must say, okay, I've committed my life to Christ, Jesus is at the center of my life. I'm in a relationship with you. I'm committed to you. H, they've got to be honest. They've got to be honest. The right day in your life and mine, they've got to be people who are honest. They've got to speak the truth in love. Lying or exaggeration or telling you just what you want to hear doesn't work in the relational world. You've got to speak truth you always clothe it in love. It doesn't mean you're you're mean-spirited. It doesn't mean that you are argumentative. It means, though, you tell the truth. And too many people have too many relationships where truth is not at the center. Again, it goes back to Jesus. Jesus, totally and completely tough. Jesus, totally and completely honest. To become a Christian, you've got to be honest enough about your condition to establish this friendship, this relationship with God. Every Saturday after one of my messages, one of my different talks, we go up to, to my office and we sit down and we critique the service. We critique the, the welcome to the guests. We critique the worship, we critique solos, we critique videos, we critique short films, and sometimes it's not always easy to absorb that. There's not a lot of arguments up there. We receive that though. We have a climate of critique here at Fellowship. So in your friendship with others, in your marriage, we also should have a climate of critique helping one another, encouraging one another, which brings me to the next letter, E, T-H-E. E stands for encouragement. I want to be encouraged, not discouraged. I want people to, uh, to applaud me. I don't want people to, to diss me or disrespect me. As you look at the day in your life, are they encouraging? When you see their number or name, come up on your phone, are you like, yeah, or are you like, oh, crap. (laughs) Seriously, seriously. I want to be encouraged because the world is discouraging enough. The world will bring you down. It's the gravity of depravity pulling you down, pulling me down. It's much easier if I brought someone up here on stage to pull me down off of this ledge than for me to lift somebody up. I mean, I'm pretty strong. You know, I can bench, I don't know. Last time I, uh, you know, I maxed out a couple days ago at like 4.45. (laughs) I can lift most people onto this stage, but a lot of people I just can't lift, especially here. Well, anybody, even, even someone who's tiny, could pull me down from this. That's the same way it is, with the right day, or the wrong day, and it's a constant calling, a constant inventory, a constant friend inventory, a constant critique in your dating relationships, even in your marriage. You've got to think that way to go to that next level. So they've got to be tough. They've got to be honest. They've got to be encouraging, and they've got to be yielded to God and to you. They've got to have your back. There are different types of people that we all meet in life. We meet the four yous, those people who are kind of fans, that are in our life for a while, and then they're gone. They come and go. Fans come and go. And Dallas is known especially, sorry Miami, as a fair weather city. Man, when, when something's going great, oh, we're on the bandwagon. Yeah, oh yeah, do it. Cowboys, Mavericks, yeah, Rangers. Everybody's a fan. I didn't know you were a fan. Oh yeah, I've been a fan. Well, once they start to lose, once they start... To, 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 to get ripped off on a touchdown catch, Des, then, I think he scored too, then, when people start deflating balls and win games, then we start, I mean, we start hating on people. The fair weather people, the, the, the fans, yeah, yeah, I'm for you. And we've had fans cycle in, cycle out at Fellowship Church over the 25-year history, that's part of it. Some, though, are people that are, with you. And the with you people are those who are the right day. They're those who are tough. They're those who are honest, those who are encouraging, those who are yielded. They're, they're with you. They're in your corner when everybody bolts. I, I think about the apostle Paul. He rewrites he in 2 Timothy about people deserting him. But, but then he talks about a few people who were in his corner, who didn't diss him, who stayed with him. I think about David when he was calling his mighty men together. How did he know if they were mighty or if they were just mousy? He said, are you with me? He didn't say, okay, how, how, how many hours are you spending praying? How many hours are you spending in the, in the Old Testament? No, David didn't say that. Are you with me? How about the friends in your life? Are they with you? This is a great thing for managers, a great thing for CEOs, a great thing for anyone in a leadership position, a coach, a teacher. Are they with you? And then, of course, you'll have the people who use you. The use you people are sneaky. They're sly because they'll make you think they're with you, yet then they use you and abuse you. That is where we have to have the big D, discernment. The book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And those of us who who are walking in fullness in our relationship with God and the relationship with the right they, we have to have the big D. We've got to have discernment, making wise choices, being able to read people. As you pray, and and, and as you ask the Holy Spirit of God to lead you, if you have the cringe factor, if you're like, wow, I kinda have a check in my spirit, That doesn't seem right. So often, it's the Holy Spirit whispering to you, watch out, that's someone who will use you. Those of us who are believers, we extend grace. And when you extend grace, people now and then will put it back in your face. That's part of it. Look what they did to Jesus. Yet, only those people who are close to us can Betray us. We learn from that and move on. We love everyone. We swim, though, with just a few. Who are the they in your life? Are they tough? If they're not, invite them out. Are they honest? If they're not, invite them out. Are they encouraging? If they're not, invite them out. Are they yielded? If not, Invite them out. I even go deeper in many of these chapters about the right day. Here's some more questions to ask you. This is serious stuff because so often we don't have very much teaching, coaching, or training in this realm. People talk about, oh, this person's a life coach, or this, or this person is, is, is all about counseling, or this person is all about uh, uh, training or teaching, whatever. But, but so often we do not have any intentionality any training when it comes to these strategic relationships in our life, the right they. I'll promise you something. You look back in your life, and if you look at the the emotional problems that you faced, I, I bet you cash money they'll go back to your relationships. Most of the situations, most of the issues that we're dealing with today are relational issues. I know they all go back to God, He is number one, he is it, but they go back to the people in your life and mine, and even those of us who go by the label of Christ followers. And if I'm the enemy, I'm going to say, wow, I know how to mess you around. I know how to keep you from being all that God wants you to become. I'll just surround you with the wrong day. They'll seem like the right day, but they're really the wrong day. And proverbially, the person listens to the wrong voices. They hear this, they hear that. They're not listening to God's voice. They're not allowing the right day to speak into their lives. And the wrong day stay in the way of the right day, and then it's curtains. Also, too, many people have the right day in their life, and they don't listen to them. They don't lean into them. They're, 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 being, they're being a soloist, or they're, they're trying to do life themselves. They're not opening themselves up. These things will get you killed. Don't do it. It starts very, very, very young. When I was growing up in school, let's say in, even in grammar school, from grammar school to junior high, I made some choices, junior high to high school, high school even to college. I made some choices way back there about what I was going to do and what I was not going to do. Not because of legalism, but just based on God. And because I made choices on the things of life based on God's word, about what I was going to do and what I was not going to do, it also carried forth into who I was going to hang out with and who I was not going to hang out with. For example, drinking. I said it, drinking. I've never talked about drinking at Fellowship Church in 25 years, but I'm going to talk to you about drinking right now. I'm talking about alcohol. I'm talking about adult beverages. Parents, listen to me and listen to me good. One of the reasons why I had and have had the right day in my life for so many years going back to school was because of the decision Alcohol. Oh man, that sounds legalistic. No, it's not. First of all, drinking under age is breaking the law. When you make that decision, young person, not to drink, automatically you're gonna have a bunch of people that, yeah, they might be your friends, but there's no fellowship involved because you're not drinking alcoholic beverages. That's a line in the sand, a line of demarcation. You're not gonna be invited to most of the parties when you say, I'm not going to drink. Again, don't walk out of here and talk about legalism. I'm not on a legalistic trip, I'm talking about a relationship. Now, to get technical, yes. Once you're at the drinking age, if you want to drink in moderation, that's between you and God. You know, the Bible talks about that. I mean, obviously, Jesus drank wine, the disciples drank wine, whatever. I'm saying, though, when you're young, when you're a student, you are totally messing up, you're screwing up if you run with the group that drinks alcohol. You will, you will meet the wrong day, because with that, it lowers your inhibitions, and then with that, you've got all sorts of ungodly practices, you've got... You've got carousing, you've got sex outside of marriage, you've, 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 you've got then all the other things where you're smoking, smoking weed or doing this drug or that drug or whatever. Peer pressure circles like a school of hungry sharks. And so many of us, man, we just cave in, we can't take it, so we sacrifice, we sacrifice our walk with the Lord, we sacrifice hanging out and making the hard decisions to go with the right they. We sacrifice that just for popularity that's fleeting, that's gone. Just to to drink, just to mess around, just to smoke the weed, just to do this or that. Well, I'm gonna do that, everything's gonna be okay, and then later in my life I'll come back to God. Now and then it works. But I'm here to tell you, most of the time, it doesn't. You play in the enemy's backyard, he's gonna take you down. He's gonna take you down. So students, hear me. Understand what I'm saying. This this thing is a big thing. Another thing is your language. Your language. I'm talking to students now. You use bad language, coarse language. You take God's name in vain. It automatically will associate you and open you up to the wrong day. Read the book of Philippians. Read how the apostle Paul is encouraging his friends, these Philippians, to do what? To live a life of purity. We're not doing it. for for legalistic reasons, we're free. We're doing this because of Jesus, because we have the righteousness of Christ, and God commands us, we don't want to talk about it anymore, over and over and over again to live pure and holy lives. It's a question that we have to ask. The alcohol, the drug question, the purity question, what we're doing with the opposite sex, the sort of websites we're on, I mean, all that stuff. And then, more importantly, how deep are we willing to go with the right they? These decisions are not easy. These decisions are many times lonely. They're, they're, they're tough. We have to be honest with ourselves. We, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to be yielded to him. But I am on this stage telling you, God's way works. Don't go that way. So when you have a vacuum, because you will have a vacuum. I had a vacuum. I mean, I was a good athlete, you know, played Division I and all that stuff. And that's great, rah, rah, rah. I had, you know, some popularity in school, but I was not like Mr. Popular. You know why? I didn't do those things. I didn't. I didn't have a lot of people I had fellowship with in my high school, a few, not very many. You can't if you're going to live the life God wants. Now looking back, I go, whoa, man, the seed that was sown, being equally yoked, being matched and not mismatched, and because of God's grace, because I lived the life, not perfectly, but I want to to give you an encouraging testimony, not a discouraging one. I don't want to tell you I lived like hell and then at 25 became a Christian. No, no, no. I've lived this life since I accepted Jesus as a kid, yeah. Yeah. all right? So, so, so I, can, I can say this now. I'm 53 years old. I can look back and say this. God's way worked. Because I did it God's way, because there was a vacuum at school, at these giant public schools I went to, I filled that vacuum at church. I went to church. I leaned into church. Those were my friends, the right they in church. They did not drink, they did not use coarse language. Most people did not mess around. And yeah, those are things they didn't do, but what they did do was they had fun and a blast in the Lord. They 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 laughed and and, and, and had excitement and adventure, doing what God wanted them to do, even as, as students, even as kids. They were honest about their, their, their struggles, many of us, in that day. Yielded to God. We encouraged one another, tough, and all of that. So, so the church filled that vacuum. And there's gonna be a vacuum when you make this decision, young people. You're gonna have a vacuum. So what do you do with the vacuum? Either fill it with the wrong day, And believe me, the wrong day are always in play. The reason I'm so passionate about this young people is, young people today, I've heard it a squillion times, are exposed to more things than ever before. Young people today are learning what I learned when I was 28 and 30 years old. So if you think they don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't think they don't know the score, parents, you're totally and completely wrong, you have your head in the sands of denial. They know what's going on. So I'd much rather expose them now to this stuff because now they're being bombarded. I'm I'm talking about in grade school, they're doing things unimaginable. So they've gotta make the decisions now. Right day, wrong day. Our children's ministry, we're teaching the right day now. Our student ministry, we're teaching the right day now. In our small groups, we're talking about the right day now. I've written this book, it's taken me 53 years to write it. I thought, how can I take my life in relationships from scripture and boil it down to about 150 pages? Well, I did it, and I had a great team to help me do it. This is a life-changing book, but it starts today. Don't waste your life. The stakes are so high. There is so much evil in the world. If you don't get this right when you're young, good luck. And you can read the stats. It is rare for someone, once they're past 15 to 16 years of age, to ever commit their lives to Christ. That's what we're talking about. So what are you going to do, students? Parents, what are you going to do? Oh, I heard it again. I heard it again. I was out of town. Lisa and I were eating breakfast at a restaurant, and here's what this lady told us. We began to talk. What do you do for a living? You know, I always, when people ask me that question, I, I can't wait to tell them because I love to watch their eyes. It's like this. <laughs> for some reason, they don't expect Lisa and I to be pastors. So what do you do for a living? We're pastors. They're waiting me you to say, "Oh, just joking, but <laughs> Really? Well, you know, I've heard it a million times. I have a daughter, and you know, I'll bring in her church some, but I want her to make up her own mind about spiritual things. Wow, that's so. Tragic, my heart hurts. Parents, we're parents. We're leaders. When they're under our roof, we need to be in the house. And they don't have an option whether or not to attend the house. And if we're smart, we're going to know what they're texting, we're going to know what they're emailing, we'll know if they're Snapchatting. We'll know, we we need to be monitoring them and knowing them so well. We need to watch who the they are in their life. We have to. We teach them and train them, the Bible says, to do what, to leave. Teaching, training to leave. Teaching, training to leave. As a man looks, the book of Proverbs says, At his face in a mirror, so the friends are that he chooses. We teach them how to choose the right friends. And their friends, the people that they run with, the people that they hang out with, are going to be the same people, mom and dad, that you hang out with. So what are you going to do? There's a vacuum. You live the life of Christ. You fill the vacuum. God always has it filled better when we go his way. Are we gonna teach this? Don't be mismatched. Don't be unequally yoked with non-believers. We have friends, but we only have fellowship with people that we're close to, that we're intimate with. The Bible says this over and over and over again. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, from Israel claiming the Promised Land to Jesus picking the disciples, the inner circle, the right they, it's throughout Scripture. We have to make these decisions. We have to be smart about these decisions because they can keep you away from what God wants you to do. The biblical bodybuilder Samson is yet again another story about it. Samson had more potential than almost anyone who ever lived. He is the story of the wrong day. The Bible said that Samson Disobeyed God and his parents. His parents said, how about, I mean, obviously, Samson, God says you should hang out with Jewish people, with people who follow the Lord. And Samson said, no, no, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And the Bible said, Samson, here's the story of his life, Samson, here is the net effect of his life, went down to Timnah. Where's Timnah? A Philistine city. He never recovered from that. Never. Popularity, insecurity, insecurity. Peer pressure, I'll drink this, I'll smoke that. I'll sleep with this person just so I can be popular, man. Just so I can be the man. Just so I can be the girl. And then, and then, and then, and then, then. go back to your high school reunions and look at the people. They're still stuck in the muck and the mire of being unequally yoked. They're still going in circles they're still scattering seeds, sowing their wild oats, and praying for a crop failure, going through marriage after marriage, friendship after friendship, still playing the game. And they're crazy. They're insane. If Jesus is not the center of your life, you have a form of insanity. So if you're not right with Christ, I'm telling you, after a while, you can go crazy. If you don't have the right they in your life, after a while, you're going to go whack a doodle do. You can't live it. Look what Solomon did. I talked about him last week. Went crazy. Look at Samson. Crazy. Samson, the biblical bodybuilder, having a haircut in the devil's salon. Come on, man, sleeping with high-priced call girls. Samson, God's man, God's appointed and anointed, the guy who's going to start delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He's doing that. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, man, the wrong they will mess you up. The right they, though, will help you. Let's talk about the right they. Here's some things in 50 shades of they. Remember the right they? They're tough, they're honest, they're encouraging, and they're yielded. Here's just shade 19. I'm going to fly through this. Who am I? Who am I? With the right they, they will teach you and applaud your uniqueness. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If they fall down, they can help each other up. But pity those who fall and have no one to help them. Think about Paul again, the Apostle Paul, in the book of 2 Timothy. He's in prison, and you you see him writing and Yearning for his friends, just a few of them, to come to his aid to help him. We get our primary props from God, our secondary props from the right day. Friends, though, are there to help, to assist, because we're all going to go through tough times. And that's why it's so huge to have the right day who reflect. God's priorities, who point us back to God as opposed to the things of the world. That's so, so important. Who am I? If I compare myself to the wrong they, I become them. If I'm with the right they, they are gonna encourage me in my uniqueness. The moment I look at the wrong they, I become one of them and I've lost my uniqueness. But as I'm around the right day, as they point me to God, I go, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. No one has my walk, my talk, my laugh, my insight. You're robbing yourself of your uniqueness when you play the comparison game. And the right day, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do that. Oh, there's another one. This is awesome. Shade forty five, drawbridge. You know those old timey castles? They had a drawbridge. If the enemy was coming, Everybody be safe and secure. No one could get in. The drawbridge. But they said, okay, let's let people in. Let the people in. Then people will come in. When EJ was younger, he had this castle and he had all these different castle men, and we would play, you know, like different men against other men. So I called one group the castle men. <laughs> They lived in the castle. They had this, these gray uniforms on. And I think I called the other guys the bad guys. So we would play, and I would take the castleman in the castle and it had a little drawbridge. <laughs> and the drawbridge would come up, and then the bad guys, uh, uh, usually EJ would be with the bad guys, they could not get in the castle. And just last week, we were playing the game, and EJ was all upset. He started throwing castlemen everywhere. No, I'm kidding. When he was younger, we did that. When he was like, you know, three or four or five. But, but that's so true about the drawbridge. Who are you letting into your life? Who are you letting out of your life? The castlemen are the right they. The castlemen, They belong in the castle. The other guys, they're the bad guys. They don't belong in the castle. Put the drawbridge up. Put the drawbridge down. Because, see, they can't get into the castle because of the moat. And that moat has some alligator gar in it. You can't, you can't negotiate the moat. The right day, This book will change your life. It's taken me 53 years to write it. I have boiled it down to 151 pages. If you pre-ordered this book or you want to buy it today, here is the amazing deal that we are going to do for you. You pick your book up today, the one you pre-ordered, or you buy one today. Then, in a couple of days, we'll ship you another one free of charge. Why are we doing that? We're doing that so, wow, I have got a free book. Give it to a they in your life, because everybody is a they in your life. This book is one of the brilliant stories of Fellowship Church. One of the things I'd have to say about Fellowship Church over the last 25 years. We are a church of the they. We're a church of the they. They always have something to say, and they will keep us where God wants us to be every single day. When it comes to relationships, God is not gray. He's about the they and that's why we're about the day. So as I look back over the 53 years of my life, God, I thank you for the right day in my life. God's way works. <laughs> 50 shades of day.